Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for standing. We're going to open up in prayer, as is our custom. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we just pray that you illuminate your word in our hearts. Let us be different than when we showed up today. God, have your way. And everyone says, amen, amen. in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Yes, we are a friendly church. There's some things that I want to discuss, not necessarily housekeeping, that's not what we're doing, but just some stuff in-house. How many of you guys thoroughly enjoyed last weekend? It was amazing, wasn't it? Praise the Lord for that. I appreciate the opportunity to be the lead pastor. It is a great opportunity, and you wonder how much different things are going to be, and there's a little bit of difference in position and things, and I'll certainly address that here in a moment, but really, you know, I got up this morning, and I was just as nervous as I was any other time I was speaking before you guys. Prayed, did the same routine, you know, um, those type of things, so I appreciate Pastor Mike making room for me for so many years. It's really helped me out to prepare me for this opportunity in my life. Now, one of the things that we didn't get to discuss you just can't discuss everything in one weekend some people's asked and we didn't and it's good you know well what is what is pastor mike's title what will he be doing well you notice he and lovely carry here on the row where they're going to always be welcome amen right we didn't take his keys or anything weird like that that's not going to happen and uh, so what do we call pastor mike i think i would call him pastor mike that's what i'm going to call him you know yeah right now on our website, you might find out on there, you know, there'll be senior pastor and then, you know, slash teaching pastor. We're still teaching mentoring class together. He's going to start an apolog apologetic series at the end of February on Sunday morning, which we're really looking forward to. Um, so, you know, teaching pastor, senior pastor, how about just Pastor Mike? We appreciate all you've done. Amen? So, so that's, that's really, really important. Amen? Yes. Him and Carrie, and I appreciate making making uh, room and you know you have those questions we have questions everybody has questions how many of you guys have asked yourself this question this last week why in the world would our president allow a chinese balloon to fly over and map half of america yeah maybe there are ties to china i'll keep my mouth shut just laptop is all i have to say and everybody knows what i'm talking about we have questions like that don't we so those questions are good questions and we welcome those questions but like we said last week we don't use the r word we don't use retirement no 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 moses preached till he died so <laughs> no uh we don't we don't use those words there's no pony saddled up in the back riding off in the sunset and if you are a visitor this morning we'd like to say welcome we're so glad that you're here um we're just going to continue on doing what we know to do and preach the gospel amen and that's what we're going to do. Always adjustments that you have to, have to make along the way. You know, whenever you shoot a rocket out into space, they have to constantly recalibrate. So they don't change the direction of the rocket or anything weird like that. It's still pointed towards the moon. It's pointed to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our vision. But you have to recalibrate on occasion because things kind of get off and different things like that. So that's been something that we've always done and we'll always do that. Now, what I want to share with you this morning is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So we see the heart of a father here reaching out to his son. In the first couple verses of chapter 1, we see that he does his normal greeting. And if you know Paul, he's kind of like a Marine hitting a beach. Okay, he, He's like, hey, how you doing? Get in the boat! You know, that's kind of the way Paul does his thing. But he greets and he says to Timothy, my son, 
in the faith. And I was wondering last week uh, as I woke up on Monday, God, did Pastor Mike and I, did we do a good job of understanding our relationship between the spiritual father and son? Did we make too much of it? Did we not make enough of it? Did, is this really real what we're trying to do? You know, the questions that you have. And God began to lead me in my devotion time, and I went back and I studied Elijah and Elisha. And remember, Elijah was the one taken up in the whirlwind, and Elijah was the one that was his successor. And it's very interesting in 2 Kings chapter 3, I believe, there, whenever Elijah is being taken up in the whirlwind, what Elijah says to his mentor. He says these words, Father, Father. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Because it's the same thing that Paul talks about where you don't have very many fathers in the faith, which he was one to Timothy. And that's sort of the relationship, not sort of that is the relationship that we developed. And with a little bit of study, you understand that uh, uh, whenever Elijah put his cloak over Elisha to, to, for him to eventually be the successor, he looked at him and he said, I'm going to follow you, Elijah, but I have to go back and say bye to my parents, to my mom, and to my dad. So it shows that that spiritual um, relationship is very true and it's very real, and I appreciate Pastor Mike doing that so much. I appreciate the mentor and things that we are doing. So here we see the same thing. I say that to say, here we see the same thing. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, I've put you where you're at. You're supposed to be there by God. Now here's something that will help you. Because every one of us in our life desire to continue the legacy, don't we? The legacy that we've been taught about Jesus Christ, about all the things that we know that honor his name. But also that we could look back in 40, 50, 60 years and see a life of ministry that mattered. Whether we meet Jesus in the air or we slip into eternity and we breathe our last breath, that we can stand before God and say, we tried everything that we could to point people towards you so that they could be saved. Amen? And that's what Paul is really, I mean, he has the heart of a father here as he talks to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. And he says, listen, some people are coming in and they're teaching some things that don't need to be taught. They're teaching some controversial things. And the thing about controversial things, all that does is it, it begins a war with people that pride rise up and all they want to be is right. And that's not what we're here for. We're not here to be right or preach right. We're here to preach Christ because he is right. Amen. Yeah, that's what we want. I mean, we're here to preach rightness. You guys understand that, but we're here to preach Christ. Now, he says there's some people in here, and you're going to have to address this. And he says this, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Three things that we're going to hit on the next three weeks. And today, we're going to start with a pure heart. It's so important that we have a pure heart and we have a good conscience and we have a sincere faith because I believe those are the path stones, if you will, to lead us into a ministry that we can look back on and every one of us are ministers in some form or fashion at our job, in our house, wherever we're at, that we can look back and say, God, I did what you told me to do, which is point people towards you. I can't save, I can't change, I can't do any of that stuff, but you can. So it's you who lives through me that draws all men, amen? And here he, he initiates this with, listen, you have to have a pure heart. You have to have a great desire in your life to have that heart that my motives are in the right place. That my motives are constantly being checked. That I search for excellence in my life and excellence to follow you. There's a wonderful woman named Roxy Laburn. Roxy Laburn is an ornithologist. She was an ornithologist, excuse me. She passed away in 2003, and I believe she was, in, she was 90 or 92 years old. Now, an ornithologist is a bird expert. This lady knew her birds. She born in 1910. Her great desire was to be in aviation. It was to pilot a plane, but unfortunately, during that time period, women were not allowed into the schools. 
She snuck out of her college one time to go get a, get a glimpse of Amelia Earhart. She was just fascinated with, with Amelia Earhart. But what she wound up doing is being an ornithologist and studying birds. And she did so many things with her life. And you look at her life and you might think to yourself, what in the world, how good, what, what's the point of being an ornithologist, of studying birds, you know what I mean? If you look back, there's so many questions that goes with that. Well, one of the things that she did help do is many birds would get caught in these jet engine, um, in these jet engines, and it would cause planes to crash. She was one of the first ones that studied those birds and figured out a way to increase the capacity of the jet engine. So engineers from all over the world would come see her, and she would teach them about what happens whenever a bird would get caught in a jet engine. And these jet engines, when they first came out, couldn't withstand more than a couple little birds. By the time she got through, they could sustain eight-pound birds. Praise the Lord if you're in the plane, right? Yeah, I'd, I hope a bat doesn't fly into the engine and we go down. You know what I mean? It's got to be a flock or something here. But she was amazing. and She knew it very, very well. Hundreds of thousands of uh, birds and parts and all those things and feathers she knew. As she grew in her work, even the FBI turned to her and said, Hey, we have some cases that include birds, and we need your help. We need you to help us identify stuff. And literally, if you go do research, it's amazing. She put people away in jail. She helped to do that. She was a witness on stand. She had a great line. She was being interviewed at a stand on, in court one time. And they said, they said this. They said, Roxy, what makes you an expert? She paused a moment. She had a stellar answer. She looked down and she goes, I don't rightly know. But what I do know is I go to work and all my colleagues refer to me as an expert. So I guess that means I'm an expert. And I thought, that's how you become an expert, is you don't label yourself, you let somebody else do that, right? And that's how amazing she was. And this was my question that I had. I wonder if her fascination with birds were complete, but I wonder if it wasn't just her pursuit and excellence of life that really drove her to be the greatest ever. Because she was sought all over the planet to, for, for her to... That one time she said that she had been sent over a thousand birds in one year to examine and things like that. And these people sought her out. And she had a tremendous life. I mean, plane crashes didn't happen. Lives that were saved, people that were put in jail, lives that were impacted because of her pursuit of excellence. Now, I share that story because it's interesting and it, helped, it helps us as Christians because as we pursue a life of legacy, as we pursue a life of ministry, there'll be plenty of people who are caught in the world who will look at us and say this, why in the world do you serve in church? I don't get it. Why do you give as much as you do? Why do you give your time as much as you do? Why do you go up there and teach and preach? You know, on the weekends, you could be out at the lake or camping or living it up somewhere else, you know? All these rules and restrictions is the way that many people view them. Why are you doing that? Well, we know it's because we're in pursuit of an excellent relationship with Jesus Christ, isn't it? Because one day, when we take our last breath and we slip into eternity, we will stand before Him and be accountable for what we've done. So that that legacy continues and our life of ministry continues, Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, listen, there's three things here that will help you along the journey that's keys to doing that. And the first key here is a pure heart. In verse 4 of Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, at the end of it it says this, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. And that's interesting to me because what Paul's trying to uh, help them understand is people who don't teach correct doctrine, people who don't really passionate about the message of the gospel and teach it with truth, those people, they don't help people find Christ. We want a life that builds the faith of God in people, amen, and points them to them. So we start with a pure heart. We start with a pure heart. Now, in, in, in here in excuse me, here in verse 5, the aim of our charge is love. So everything that we want to do, we want to do in love. 
Okay, now this is agape love, and if you've ever done a study on love in the Bible, you know there's multiple types here, so I won't get into that. But we're going to study just for a second agape love. And this is what the agape love means. It means a gift love or a selfless love. Okay, a gift love or a selfless love. It looks out for the other's interest ahead of our own and puts the other person first. Does that make sense? So he's saying, listen, in everything you do, Timothy, as I give you this charge and you go out and teach, you go out and preach, you go out and do the things that you know to do, make sure you do it in this type of love. You do it in a love that puts the others before you. That means that I care more about that person's soul than I care about being right. I'm more interested in that person and where they stand with Christ than things that can get me distracted inside uh, and sideways and things that I don't need. And there's plenty of that to do that, amen? But whenever we teach the gospel, we teach it with sound doctrine, and our aim is that we do it with the love that puts others before us. That agape love that's true. Now, man, I want to remind you, Valentine's Day is coming up, so don't end in the doghouse. All right, do what you guys need to do there. And what we want to do is to help people live a life of faith in God. That's what true love is, is we're doing everything that we can to say we want to point people towards Christ. Amen? So here, let's take this thought of a pure heart, because this is what Paul says. Our aim in charge is to do it with a pure heart. So today, as we concentrate on that, we're going to talk about three separate things that will help us have a pure heart. So number one, our heart must be Christ's home. Amen, Pastor Matt. Our heart must be Christ's home. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, this is the thought. Our heart is not a storage shed for the things of Christ, but a home for him to have. Let me repeat that. Our heart is not a storage shed for the things of Christ, but a home for Christ to dwell in. Our, home was never, our heart was never intended to be a shed where we take things that we learn from God and we learn about Christ and maybe some knowledge and we kind of stick it there and as we kind of rummage through it whenever we need it. No, our heart is a place where Christ calls home. In my home, I share it with my wife, with my daughter, with myself, and I have a niece that's pretty much like my child, and I know that because my food bill goes up. <laughs> and my washing machine and all this other stuff, you know. But whenever they come in because it's their home, what I don't feel like I have to do is entertain them as a guest because they are not a guest, they belong there. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't entertain the presence of God. Hear me out on that. I understand that, that we worship and we minister to God, if you will. But whenever he comes into my heart, it's not a shed. It's not something out back. It is his home. He, he, he rolls in the door, throws his backpack down like my daughter does, goes to the fridge, opens it up, and begins to eat snacks. You know what I mean? That's how Christ operates in our life. That when he comes into your life and into your heart, it is his home. He comes in the door, and if he wants to prop his feet up on the couch, that's what he does. If he wants to go to the refrigerator, that's what he wants to do. If he wants to go through this closet or that closet, he has access to it because it is his home. Salvation is critical. And salvation is not repeating mere words. There has to be conversion along with it. And when you repeat words in your life, that's, I understand that we have to pray, but it's about conversion. My life has changed. I'm no longer who I was. I am somebody different in the name of Jesus Christ. 
But the reason why is because I've made my heart his home. I am not the landlord of my property anymore. He is the landlord of me. I'm no longer telling him what he can and cannot do. He's telling me what I can and cannot do. Because he is my, he owns my heart. Now, Paul in this verse, he says there's two things. And trust him and your roots will grow. Here's two indicators of how you know whether he's really set up resident in your heart and whether he's not. There's got to be roots. There has to be roots in your heart. Okay? There has to be trust. How do you know if there's trust? Because you walk up to a bridge that Christ is asking you to cross. You walk up to that bridge and all of a sudden you begin to remember that Christ has brought you here before and he'll bring you through again. All of a sudden, you'll bring in your remembrance will be brought up that Christ was there with me then, and he'll be here with me now. And whenever I cross something that looks like something I've never crossed before, that's okay because I trust him, because I remember, because the roots go down deep, and where he helped me out back there, he'll help me out again here. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Why? Because I can trust him, because I'm not the landlord of my heart. He made his home in my heart. Conversion, salvation. And if we're going to walk in the purity of heart, we have to ask ourselves this question. God, are you the owner of my heart? You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the keeper of my heart, God. My heart belongs to you. I'm saved. I'm converted. My life has changed. Do I trust him? And are there roots in my life? that produce the fruits of Christianity. Because if there's roots, there'll be fruit. Well, it's not that big. Well, welcome to the party, my friend. <laughs> Doesn't matter your age, God takes you to new things over and over again, right? Sometimes the fruit looks a little different, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Just give it time, seed time and harvest. But the roots are in my life, and Christ is in my life. You guys have watched these tiny homes, right? Tiny homes, big living. How many of you guys watch that? All right, three of you guys. All right, same thing in the service. That's, we're into big homes and big living, aren't we? Wide open spaces. Okay, we're into all that stuff. This is the interesting thing, that whenever they were talking, I researched this, what's the difference between a shed and a home? And this is the difference. That in a home, there are necessary items required for habitation. That means the life that I have in my heart is reserved for Christ. I give him my life. I give him my energy. I give him everything that I have because he owns my heart. So if Christ is in my life and he has residency in my life, then I know that there's habitation there. There's roots that grow and there's trust that blossoms. Now, this is very important, okay? Trusting God does not equal the absence of fear but it will mean not allowing fear to win. Okay, good. Yeah, I got some head nods. I got some amen. Some of you guys did some face some stuff that's kind of fearful that God's taking you through. You know what I mean, right? Come on, let's help some of these guys out here. It's not the absence of fear, but it does mean that fear will not win. It's what we've heard preached from this pulpit a hundred times, and I'll do it a hundred and one times. Okay, you guys ready? You feed your faith and you starve your fear. You feed your faith and you starve your fear. Those things that feed your faith, you keep eating. Scripture, prayer, worship, all the things that we know to do. Service, and we feed that faith and we say, God, we know that you're on our side. Have you guys ever just talked yourself up? Yeah, feed that faith. And those things that cause that fear, we're going to starve those things out. Amen? 
feed the faith and starve the fear. Our heart must be a home for Christ. It is not a shed. God, you have residence here. Okay, another thing to consider here is whenever we want the pure heart, we hide the word of God in our hearts. Oh man, I'm telling you guys some stuff y'all didn't know. No, I know you guys knew this, right? You hide the word of God in your hearts. This is interesting. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. What is that saying? It's what we already know. We really think we have great ideas, and most of the time we think our ideas are the right ideas. Oh, yes, and the crowd goes silent. That's what Scripture tells us. And the prescription for that is, we're going to talk about that here in a second. But what he says here is the Lord weighs the heart. He looks at the heart for the intention. He looks at the heart to see what the motives really are. Why are we doing what we're doing? That's what a pure heart, that's the reason why hiding the word of God in our heart matters so much. Because whenever we rely on the word of God, then we're using his thoughts, his precepts, his way of doing things and not ours. Because I have to, now listen, whenever we make Christ king of our heart, we know that it's no longer my way, but it's God's way. So I must question God. God, is this my way or is this your way? Because you said that every thought that I have, I pretty much think is right. And that's not true. So I ask myself, God, where's my heart in this? Because you weigh things out in the heart. That means we are held accountable by our heart. Okay, now that's, that's King Solomon. This is important to know because Solomon is the son of David. David is believed to write this. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Why do we hide the word of God in our heart? Because we think many times our way is the right way, and it's not always like that. But we hide it in our heart because God's words are pure, refined seven times. And we know seven is the number of God, six is the number of man. So one extra, does that make sense? It's, it's what we could not do without our Lord and Savior. This is what one commentary said about Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. It's not like the deceitful words of man covered in selfishness and falsehood. This is what another commentary says. Without the least mixture of falsehood, and it, is, it, and it shall be infallible and fulfilled. The words of God are pure. And to have a pure heart, I cannot rely on my words. I have to rely on God's word. So I hide his word in my heart. And I was thinking about this. I wonder how much Solomon learned from his father, King David. Whenever he looked at him and he thought every man, man's way seems right in their own ways. But the Lord weighs the heart. It completely makes sense why in Psalms 119.11, believed to be written by King David, this is said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, this word hidden is very important because what it means, it means heaped up. It means put on reserve. That means he was over the necessary amount, if you will, of God's word in his heart because he believed it to be pure and true. Now, all of us who know King David in here know about the great fall that he had with Bathsheba. Think about this. He was on the rooftop, not out with the kings. He was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Therefore, he was susceptible to sin. Whenever we're not hiding God's word in our heart, we become extremely susceptible to sin because we rely on ourselves and our own intentions, and that is not what we really have to rely on. 
after King David's big failure that many of us know about, it was still written about this, that he is a man after my own heart. Think about that. Could that have been because he realized that I have to hide God's word in my heart? And we hide God's word in our heart, therefore, whenever we get to those issues, whenever we get to those situations, and we don't know what to do, we don't stretch for words. I teach this all the time. Whenever you pray, people say, what do I pray, Pastor Matt? What do I pray? I say, you pray scripture, because those words are pure. Those words are true. Those words are life-giving. So whenever you don't know what to pray, and you don't feel the specific direction, open up the Bible and begin to pray the words of Christ on the people all around you, because those words are pure. pure. Those words are true. But he talks about this, how he hid these words in his heart. See, we have to hide this word in our heart. We have to protect it. Fort Knox is home to $273 billion in gold. Now, this is what surrounds that gold. 4,200 yards of concrete, 16,000 cubic feet of granite, 750 tons of reinforced steel, 670 tons of structural steel. Now, that's just the building. If you read a little bit further, they also have the Mint Police, which is one of the oldest police forces known. They have to do a 12-week training. They have five weeks in the field of trainings. They do training in weapons and room clearing and, and how to corner people. Where the gold is stored, there's 109,000 acres of base, of military base that surrounds it. They mean to protect that gold, don't they? We better mean to be protecting the word of God that we hide in our heart. There's some security measures that we need to take in our life. That whenever we put the word of God in our heart, we continue those things. We guard, that word of, we, we guard that word that's in our heart. We, got, we, got, uh, we guard it from things that we see, from things that we listen to, from other people speaking into our life. And we tuck it down in there. That way we do what King David said, that I might not sin against God. That I could stand upright with a pure heart that my motives, God, are that I do not sin against you. That I do what you ask me to do. And I do it from a position and a place that honors you. That way, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I look back on the legacy that I left. And it's the legacy that was left to me. I look back 40, 50, 60 years or whatever it is, whenever we breathe our last breath. And we look back and say, God, our life has been a life of ministry that's pointed people towards you that strengthen their faith but along the way we've got a lot of decisions to make we got a lot of things to face and we hide God's word in our heart we hide it deep James chapter 4 verse 17 therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin sin doesn't always look like what we think sin looks like Sometimes we look at things and we know that we should do it and we don't always do it, do we? Well, how do we know whether to do it or not to do it? How do we know whether it's sin if we don't do it? We hide the word of God in our heart. If David was hiding, if David was busy about hiding the word of God in his heart instead of being on the rooftop, the deal with Bathsheba would have never happened. Because whenever he looked at her, he would have known, to him that knoweth to do good and do bad, to him it is sin. So he helps us understand that we hide the word of God in our hearts so we do not sin against our God. 
I place myself in a position to where my heart can be the purest that it can be. God, you have made your residence in my heart. And God, your words are in my heart. Now, as we continue, this is the final thing today. Let the Holy Spirit have complete freedom in your hearts. Let the Holy Spirit have complete freedom in your hearts. Whenever we position ourselves with a pure heart to be used to the greatest extent that we can in ministry, to the greatest extent that we can, whether it's at our employment or with our family or around our friends or wherever it's at, and continuing the legacy that so many people has, has, has continued on in and that we will continue on in, we have to let the Holy Spirit have complete control of our hearts. I know that many of you guys have heard this story, but the way that you catch a monkey is very simple. You put a jar of peanuts down and you put a bottleneck, you put a jar with a bottleneck. And what will happen is that monkey will put his hand in that bottle and he will begin to fist up his hand and grab a hold of those peanuts. And when he tries to pull out, that bottle will be tied to a tree and it will trap him. And that monkey is so greedy that he will not let go of those peanuts. If he would just let go of those peanuts, he could slip his hand right out of the bottle and be free. There's some things in our heart that we hold tight to that if we release those things out of our heart, we'd be able to slip out of some stuff that has this bound. What we're holding on to is not near as great as what God has got for us on the other side. But we have to let the Holy Spirit have complete control of our heart. You're welcome into the closets of my heart. How many of you guys have a junk drawer at your home? Okay, we all know what a junk drawer is, right? You pull it out to get something out of it, and you got to shake it and push it back in, right? Every one of us have that closet in our home, right, where we open it like we take a jacket from somebody, you know, and we open it and we shut it real quick so they don't see the inside, you know. There's a mountain of shoes in the bottom, all kinds of jackets. You open it up, and it kind of smells like mothballs. You know what I'm talking about. Well, the Holy Spirit needs to be welcome into those closets too. The Holy Spirit needs to be welcome into those drawers too. Say, God, I don't want to just shift through it anymore and get it to fit in. Let's pull our junk out and sort through it and see what we've got to do so we can get to where you need us to be. Now, is this possible? Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope, and hope does not, dis, uh, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Now, it's important to know that that love there, that's the same term that Paul uses to Timothy. It's the agape love. It's putting somebody else's interest before yours. That that love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom has been given to us. And let me tell you, Father God gives us, he doesn't give bad gifts, does he? The Holy Spirit has been given to us it has been poured into our hearts i think the problem becomes this what do we damn the holy spirit up in our hearts to keep it from really soaking into all the all the parts of our heart because we're bad to build walls sometimes aren't we we're bad to put up some barriers and some things that we don't need Let the Holy Spirit continue to be poured in your heart and saturate your heart and have complete control. Complete access to everything that's in your heart. John chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. God, I want to have a pure heart. I want to have pure motives. 
Many times we need Christ to speak to us. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us that some of the things that we're doing is not actually in the truth that we think we are in. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us. That as I put one foot in front of another, as I do the things that you've called me for, God, that I'm doing it from a stance of a pure heart. And I don't know all truth. I don't know everything that I know, need to know. That's the reason why in Scripture we just read that he'll show us things to come. So, Father, from a pure heart, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have complete access to all the compartments of my heart. Because what I'm searching for is truth, and we know that Christ is truth. The Holy Spirit won't tell us anything different than Christ will tell us. He won't point us in any different direction, will he? That's what it says. The Spirit of God will point back to God. So our hearts are open to what he wants, wants, wants us to have. Our hearts are open to those compartments, to those ways that we have. So we can continue the legacy, the life of ministry. And we have to ask those hard questions. God, where is my heart at? I mean, this is a challenging sermon, and it's challenging for all of us. I'm preaching to myself. God, I'm challenging myself this morning with the stance of my heart. The first one is simple. God, are you really my Savior? I know you're my creator, but are you my savior? Have I turned lordship of my heart over to you? And that's a question that we all must ask. It's a question that we will all have to answer. God, you have residence in my heart. And we want you to know that we're on your side this morning. If you have that question... We want you to know we can help you solve it this morning. You can ask Christ into your heart, into your life, and watch him change everything. And it doesn't matter which side of the camera you're on, whether you're here with us or whether you're on the other side, we want you to know that we can help you with that. And it's a question that we have to contemplate. The challenge is, what are you doing to hide the word of God in your heart? I get extremely nervous when I talk to Christians and they haven't read the Bible in a month. That doesn't seem like you're hiding the word of God in your heart. The challenge is simple. What are we doing to make sure that our heart has full exposure to the complete word of God? That God, we're hiding it in our heart. Like this is serious stuff. Like this is Fort Knox stuff. We have devotion time set up in our life. We're seeking your presence. We're trying to understand your word because we want to do what you tell us to do then ultimately, one of the hardest ones is, Holy Spirit, do you have access to everything in my life? Do you have access to those things that cause me shame? Do you have access to those areas that I've let you down in and I know? Do you have access to some of those areas that I'm holding on to and I need to let go? And I want to let you know that you are not alone in the room. We all have different struggles. We all have different things that we face. For any of us, if we put our life up on the big projectors behind us, there wouldn't be one of us in here that wouldn't be embarrassed and ashamed. But what has taken that shame is that the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And the love from Christ, Him giving His life on the cross, is what covers it. I don't know what challenge you're on this morning. 
but I pray that God will help you with it. That it won't be just something that you're stirred up about now, but whenever we leave this room, you say, there's got to be some things that change, or maybe I can up the ante. If you're like me, you might be white-knuckling the pew right now, saying, I don't know if I want to go down front. I don't know if I want to give my heart to Christ. That means the Lord's working on you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit's on your life, and He wants you to change. It's the Spirit of God telling you you need God. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, what we feel, your presence in this room. And Father, you know what everyone in the seats struggle with. Every one of these people, whether they're tuning in, whether they're in the congregation this morning, are very important and valuable to you. Father, our cry and our prayer and our hope is simply that we'll continue the legacy that we see and that God, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, whenever it is, 100 years from now, we look back on a life of ministry that has been committed to you. Father, for the one that's unsaved that may be listening, God, that they would no longer fight. Maybe they have a little bit of doubt. I don't know whether I'm saved. I don't know whether you're truly living in my heart that this morning that would be completed in their life. That question would be answered. That challenge would be accepted. Father, for us who just simply need more of your word in our heart. We know we have not been guarding ourselves very well. We know there's some things that we could do better to honor you. And Father, for the ones in here who's hanging on to some compartments of their life, you've been dealing with them for so long, maybe you brought it up to them this morning, but they know that they have to turn it over to you. But maybe because of fear or hurt, something's there that's causing them not to release it, that this morning, that their hearts would be open to complete control of the Holy Spirit. Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment. And we're not alone, God. Everyone in the room, we need you desperately. And many times what we need to do is we need to make that final stance. We need to get prayer. We need to get help. So, Father, I, I pray that you would just continue to move among our hearts and let that freedom continue to be here and let us respond to the freedom that's here to answer, to answer what you need to adjust, what you need to have control over. As you maintain this level of reverence, I appreciate that. Would you stand up with me? What we're going to do is very simple. We're going to have some people who are going to come down front and pray. 
And as they're released from their seats to come down here and stand, I pray that you would move. Come down here. Maybe you just need to kneel at the altars for a moment. Maybe you need to come down here and grip hands. And as they're dismissed, I pray if there's one of these challenges, there's an area that you know, man, I have got to get this under control. I've got to do this. I need some help. Or maybe you're just down front saying, God, I'm ready to make a new commitment to you. Salvation, be released from your your seats right now. Come down here. We don't want to judge you. That's not what we're trying to do. We want to give you plenty of opportunity. I know that it's hard and it's difficult. We're going to pray, and as our hearts are bowed and we're praying for you, we pray you just move from your seats. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, nobody here wants to be the center of attention, and that's certainly not what we're doing. So as our hearts are bowed, if there be anybody that needs a little bit of prayer, God, that needs a friend, that they would come down to the front, God, that they would feel that freedom. And for whatever's happening in their seats, God, with their hearts right now, I know that it's just as real, God. Holy Spirit, we pray that our hearts are open to you. We pray for the Word of God to be alive. We know that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Let us hide it in our heart. Father, for salvation, that God, you are the owner of our heart. You are our Lord. So, Father, in this moment, we thank you what you're doing among your people. We thank you, God, that we're people who accept challenges. We're people of victory. We're people who walk in step with you, God. So our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do, God. Let us walk in hearts of purity that, our, that the legacy that we've been taught will continue, God, and that the life of ministry would be in fruition, God. Thank you for these wonderful people that are in the room. We pray for your grace, for your mercy in their life, God. We pray that your face would shine upon them. Let us go out and do what you've called us to do with hearts, God, that are pure, with hearts that are on fire for you. We love you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says amen, amen. If there's still prayer going on, that's awesome. We love you guys so much. Cannot wait to see you tonight at 6 p.m. You guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.